You're listening to Level Up Your Gaming Podcast, Episode 40, Tactical Play versus Non-Tactical Play. Today we talk about tactical play versus non-tactical play. We discuss a listener email first, which segues us into the subject. We cover the benefits of tactical play and the benefits of a more theater-of-the-mind approach. We also cover when it's a good idea to step up the tactics and when to tone it down to keep your game flowing. If you'd like to participate in the discussion or leave us feedback, you can contact us at levelupyourgamingpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash levelupyourgaming. If you like the content and want to hear more of the show, subscribe and we'll ensure you don't miss an episode. New episodes come out almost every Wednesday. Also, please review, tell a friend about the podcast, or share with your gaming group. Now sit back and enjoy the episode. Welcome into the Level Up Your Gaming Podcast. My name is Aaron, and across from me, he needs to know the range so he can make the shot. Jared. That was not as inspiring as your usual ones. Jared, they can't all be uh, winners. Like, <laughs> they can't all hit the bullseye. They can't all hit the mark. Because you talked about range. so I... That's right. You Good. didn't know the range. I didn't know the range. It didn't hit the mark. Didn't hit the mark. Range is important. Range is important. It's very important. How you doing today, Jared? Not bad yourself. <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I can't complain. Uh, the weekend's getting started, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a good time. Any fun projects? No, no. I need to get a haircut. I need a haircut bad. Well, like, I'm just wondering, like, because I know you're into baking. Like, you've got this bread thing going now. I started making making. So I'm on the keto diet, or trying to follow the keto diet. So I started making. I saw a good video on making uh, keto donuts. Uh, so I'm making what? Some, uh, yeah. So I'm working on I'm baking some I'm gonna bake some keto donuts. I also get some uh, some keto uh brownies. Yeah, that's that's the other one. You're insane. I'm like a mad scientist, dude. I've got like a hundred different types of sugar. Like it's hilarious <laughs> because like you went on this keto diet like about the same time that you started baking. <laughs> like yeah, about about a what year. Self punishment. About seven months after I started baking, I went on the keto diet, and I was like, "Well, there's got to be a way to still bake some stuff on the keto diet." And there, there is. If you're following keto, the keto diet, or a low sugar diet, or a no carb diet, plenty of things you can bake. Plenty of alternatives to sugar. Some better than others. Uh, but that's a whole different subject for a whole different podcast. We'll have a podcast where Aaron just talks about how to be keto friendly. <laughs> you do a great job at it so i mean comparatively to i'm sticking to the diet i mean i, I didn't show up in my blood work but it did. didn't show up in my blood well, it's not as bad as mine so don't worry about it but uh <laughs> my doctor looks at me and goes how are you not dead <laughs> maybe i will be <laughs> death comes for us all doctor like that's the thing doctors doctors can't pull that shit on me i will literally look them back in the face where they're like if you don't get in shape you're gonna die i'm gonna be like death comes for us all i've got a whole nother year ahead of me don't don't jinx it (laughs) (laughs) it's like when the reaper comes the reaper comes (laughs) more people die from car accidents than most diseases so it doesn't hasn't stopped me from driving exactly there you go, listeners. Look your doctor right in the face. Death comes for us all. Death comes for us all. What do we say to the god of death? Not today. Not today. <laughs> uh, I'm glad my doctor likes me. She thinks I'm funny. Well, that's, you know, something good at least. Yeah. Otherwise, she'd be like, you're not my patient anymore. 
And I'm done with you. <laughs> and we're transferring you to somebody else. But before we get started on our topic today, I want to go through a, uh, a listener uh, emailed us. And mm-hmm. uh, he gave, he one, he gave us a great suggestion about how to improve our audio. So hopefully in the coming episodes, Chris, the audio will improve. And anybody else who's listening, hopefully you notice that as well. If you do notice the audio improved, it is because Chris said, hey, you guys should probably check this thing out. Yeah. And uh, so that's what I'm working on. Um, but he also asked us a question, and it was a very interesting question because Chris also happens to be blind. Yep. So Chris asked us, because he's gaming with his family, his kids and his wife, and he's having trouble uh, working in tactical play in D&D because, you know, he he can only describe through theater of the mind right now uh, what's going on. And obviously, if you think about that, it being the GM, being blind, that's very challenging because if everybody else is a visual person and you're not practiced in the imagination um, and, you know, thinking about how a room might be laid out, uh, you know, that's a very, very challenging situation. Very. Um, so I sent it over to Jared. I'm like, Jared. Let's let's find some answers for him. I found it that night. I was so excited. Yeah. What a, what a fantastic uh, question. You know what I mean? It, it challenged my mind, and I loved it. So uh, some of the things that we came up with, there's various uh, tactile drawing things that you can do. Uh, yes. A, a suit like um, around paper that can raise and lower uh, based upon getting wet. Um. Uh. So they, they're like wet dry markers or something. Uh. So there there was a uh, paper that ra- rise uh, rises raises raises rises, um. Due to a specific marker touching it, um. It's water reactive and it it pretty much bubbles up. There are others that are done uh through other sort of chemical processes. There are some that just when you touch it, it it rises due to the um how it's it's made. I don't know how it's made, but the 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 key to everything uh with chris and and you know why we wanted to talk about um you know his question on on the air was because we're hoping maybe to reach out to to other people who are handy capable and are looking for ways to get around uh some of the challenges that they seek every day especially in the realm of gaming and uh you know chris god bless you i mean like first off i i was inspired by your story i mean like the minute that i heard i was like wow how awesome is that? I mean, like, you know, the the fact that you took on that challenge, like, you know, just grabbed the deer by the horns and we're like, no, I'm not going to be taken down. No, no, it's a, you're a freaking warrior, man. That's awesome. And the fact that you get to game with your family, what a blessing. You know, uh, one of the parts of my email, uh, you know, that was um, uh, my wife and I have decided not to have kids, but I've often wondered uh, what it would be like to raise a little is a little family of my own and guide them into gaming. Guide them into gaming. I'll send my kids. Exactly, that's then. my plan. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to wait for Aaron to have kids, and I'll be like, be like, okay, Jared's going to GM uh, bunnies and burrows, and it's going to get very, very dark. <laughs> <laughs> the dark elephant walks before you. Dark elephant. Why is it so? Would you, Jared, they're six. Jared, they're they're coming back to us and they're having nightmares about the <laughs> the dark elephant. Um, but no, like I'm actually excited about that. The potential of Jim Aaron's kids, not mine. <laughs> so when they start crying, hand them right back over. There you go, Aaron. Enjoy. <laughs> um, but uh, so it's quite the blessing. But there's uh, the the main point that I can strike out from um, 
the uh, uh, answering the question was really searching for um, uh, on I what I did was immediately I did a web search and essentially what I went down to was the most basic of things instead of looking at the most advanced options I went for the most basic options um, when Aaron and I first started off with role playing we didn't even have whiteboards we pretty much had pieces of paper and we would draw on them like notebook paper yeah, I think we used a notebook paper to represent a lot of maps. We just yeah. like, kind of draw a map in the middle of, the, of there. And I think that's like the most uh, common way to do up a map. Yeah. And so obviously giving any drawing options to him um, are good. There's a, there's also indented graph paper if you want to just draw on a regular yep. map. Um, but obviously then you're, you're uh, you know, I don't know what other challenges that possesses when you're working with that, at least the the uh, the raised and lowered. Because uh, some, some of them were electronic yeah, uh, tactile. I, I did uh, find those. So th those are more expensive options, but those did have the options to indent or uh, raise up on the paper itself, which would give you the ability to represent a valley or a or a hill or something of that nature. So you kind of get um, like a range of like a field on there that would make sense. Um, the other option that we gave him was uh, utilizing Legos. Legos. I mean, like yeah, because if you aren't good with foam board, even. It, this would be for anybody who's not good with foam board. I'm no good with foam board. Yeah. If you don't want to try to draw terrain through foam board, Legos, just get get a baseboard for your Legos and then just build up your, your battle map on Legos. Exactly. And, you know, here's the thing. I'm no good with foam board. Uh, one GM told me, like, yo, help me make some terrain. Almost cut off my finger with an X-Acto knife. Like... <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're, we're not all Matt Mercer's. So. No, no. I, I, I almost caused like an ambulance ride. <laughs> like it was bad. It's like, whoop, whoa. And Jared almost cut off his finger. <laughs> I, I did. I mean, it was, it was I, I got myself real good. Got myself real good. But like, had I kept going, that would have been my finger. Um, but yeah, it was, it was um, a great uh, thrill to help him find a, a way around that challenge um you know and uh for those of you who might be experiencing other challenges uh with your gaming you know it, it's really diving into the challenge and meeting it head on and thinking of of the basics of of what you want to accomplish and what is the some simple solutions um you know that you can do to uh to overcome uh, you know sometimes it's it's occam's razor the um simple solution is most commonly the correct one that really doesn't match yeah no it doesn't but um you know i'm gonna let you have it there jared thank you um but uh, what one of the things you know chris if if any of those suggestions helped you i hope they did um otherwise if any of our other listeners have any other suggestions we are happy to pass them along to chris and give you the credit for, yeah for coming up with those solutions um you know we we were just able to think of a couple off the top of our head and you know after researching um, but if anybody else has been like, I got a friend who plays, he's blind. I know, I know how we handled this. Like, yeah, that'd be know. great. Let you can know. definitely pass it on to Chris. Yeah. Um, other suggestions that you guys have. Cause I mean, in the end, we're a community gaming is a community. Exactly. You know, unfortunately we're a community that not like our global community, our global community just isn't, isn't a very good neighborhood. The gaming community is a very good neighborhood. I like that neighborhood. Yes. It's like the neighborhood I live in. I like my neighborhood. Yeah, when you stray too far away, then it gets a little... <laughs> 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 it's not that bad. 
But uh, anyways, that's going to lead us into our subject today, which yes. is tactical play versus non-tactical play, or as Chris was describing it, utilizing theater of the mind or, you know, not to scale maps, very non-representational things. Yes. So Aaron already kind of introduced, it's, it's really a fight between highly accurate tactical gaming versus either one not so accurate but tactical gaming or two not so tactical gaming and and then three just i mean going off the hip theater of the mind Eh, it's 15 feet you got 15 feet sounds good yeah um i'm gonna say kyp go back to the kyp kyp baby kyp episode episode two okay uh so important know who enjoys having the map exactly with the five foot squares, you know, 10, you know, 10 foot squares, whatever you're going to do, who has the map to scale so they can know how far they can move. Know that, know that, know that, <laughs> know if you're going to have a player who is, who's going to be like, well, the map isn't to scale. How, how am I supposed to strike with that? Cause here, here's my thing. I, I, okay. D and D I know requires, um, some specificity, specificity, uh, in its in its tactical planning because of like catching somebody flat footed, elevated versus non elevated. You know, are they in your frontal ring versus your Do you rear have them flanked? Do you have them? Yeah, and thirty percent cover, fifty percent cover, twenty five percent cover. There's a lot of specificity. I myself, because I was not a D and D gamer, and I've, I've never really been one, but I did play. Plenty of D20 games, for example, you know, Star Wars. I loved D20 Star Wars. Had a blast. I I don't myself see too much, although I am what I think Aaron one time said I wasn't a tactician according to Robin's Law. I feel like I am. I think there was one that fit you a little bit better, but you were you definitely do a lot of tactical stuff. Like your your nature as a person is to be very tactical. Yeah, just a little bit. I peek around the corner instead of just running around the corner. I mean, I'll, I'll, <laughs> a, a little tangentially related to this, um, when we were playing one of our sandbox games, uh, Open World Vampire: The Masquerade, Jared was looking. We we're in Chicago, and Jared's looking at like, you know places to buy in Chicago, who's selling cars in Chicago. Like, yes. I mean, he, he's, he's very on top of those, those little details there. And when it comes to forming a plan though, part of you is not very tactical when it comes to forming a plan. Eh. You are, you are very good at planning and strategic, like long-term abstract planning. You are not good when it actually comes to planning on a field battle. <laughs> no, I can be pretty poor at that. I, I gotta get my gun off. Um, <laughs> but no, um, as a GM, um, you know, Aaron and I, little history, we probably started off with uh, just notebook, paper, small maps. And then we upgraded to uh, a giant whiteboard that my dad actually pulled out of a dumpster. <laughs> that the whiteboard came from a dumpster. Yep, yep. And then, you know, so we had like a huge teacher's whiteboard. Not as big as like your standard classroom one, but we called it the battle board. It was the battle board. It was it was it was pretty large and in charge, um, and it worked great for many 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 years. Um, then our friend Brian um, went away to college, grad school actually, to get his 
wonderful PhD. That's why he is a doctor. So, sorry, I'm shaking the table and that's shaking the mics. Aaron's looking around like, I'm like, what the hell's going that, on? Why here? is my mic shaking? <laughs> sorry, that's me. So, you know, and, and it was funny because when we first started off with the battle board, you know, we, we put down our markers and stuff like that. And, uh, it was, it was funny because I don't even remember who was the first one to be like, well, this isn't a scale. I don't, I don't, I don't know how far. And they, they, it, it, my friends were poking fun at me like, oh, well, Jared is at 45 feet or 75 feet. You know, I don't I mean, know. It, it made scale. a big difference. Okay. <laughs> oh, you guys were poking fun. That's what you were we, doing. Well, we poked fun in, in, in jest, but in reality, yes, it did make a big difference. So <laughs> what we started putting up on the board was N2S, which stood for not to scale. So really, I got around that because we just left it on the board for years. <laughs> that everything <laughs> became not to scale, not to scale. <laughs> um, but as, as Brian moved away, um, you know, we had to switch to more. Uh, first, what we did was we literally took the battle board and put it in front of the camera. Yeah, that was like our first methodology, and it, it, it worked. It worked, but it was so hard for Brian to see what was going oh, on. God. It, was, it was so hard for him to, to direct what the pieces were. Oh, doing yeah. effectively what you need at that point is a uh, a shared whiteboard if you're going to to yep. do something like that and we we ended up landing on we use roll 20 other people use um fantasy grounds i do that with a different gaming group i like roll 20 more than i like fantasy rounds because there are things i like that you can do on the map in roll 20 that i just i like better i you know what like um roll 20 is a fantastic tool um but a lot of people are, are entering the market with cool, new, innovative stuff. Dungeon Fog is something I've been looking at for a little bit. Uh, they're they're putting out new kind of cool stuff every freaking day. And every freaking day, I'm like, oh, they've yeah. got pre-made furniture. They, uh, it, just the assets that they, that they provide, like uh, modern assets. They have oh. a, a lot of modern assets. And I'm like, that's pretty sexy. A toilet that's a regular but we uh, we digress. We digress. Uh, <laughs> um, so we did switch to a digital battle map, where scaling did become a, a thing uh, again for the first time in a in a long time with us. And I think a lot of our maps have started to become a little bit more to scale. You know, essentially one block equals three foot. For me, it's three feet by three feet because uh, I always use three feet by three feet because that is the uh, standard width of a door. So it's easier for me to line up doors. It's actually three and a half feet, technically. It is. I took an architectural drafting class. I I, I remember this one thing. Three and a half feet. Handicap accessible. I thought 36 inches was handicap accessible. That's three feet. Three and a half. All right. Touche. Jared's got me. It's like Circle four. gets squared. Jared's Jared's on the board. So. Watch, we're gonna get an architect who's like, no, actually, Aaron was right. It's thirty six inches. You jerk. Um, but so that's how I lined it up. I lined everything up three feet by three feet. You know, because I I've never been a big fan of the D and D five feet. Um, the D and D five feet I've never particularly liked, mainly because you know they're like, oh, your engagement range is five feet. It's like actually like. If you're gonna whiff on somebody, it's five feet. But if you're well, in contact, it's it's three feet. In in D and D, five feet is the standard range for everything. So that yeah. ev- every square in D and D represents five feet, and like it, it's it's very particular to the rule set that is engaged in D and D. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 their system. I get it. 
I respect it. I respectfully disagree. We we <laughs> we, we also play World of Darkness, which primarily is, doesn't have which one. Doesn't have the standard movement range Mm-mm. and all that kind of stuff that you have. I mean, they, we do have. There is a general like conversion on what you can move in a turn, but in general, we sort of play with it with just three feet each square, and we kind of play around with it. It, it. It's a different, it's a whole different set of rules in terms of how you're utilizing the map. Yeah, it, it, it is. Um, so one of the, um, one of the things that I guess I would say about tactical gaming, if you're going to engage in a, a heavy tactical game, just remember that, that combat still needs to be slightly seamless, slightly, it has to move like water. And, and we discussed that in one of our, our podcasts regarding combat. You want to make it as slick as possible. Yeah, add in those describers. Like, I think episode eight, how to improve your combat, somewhere around there. Yeah, remember, you're trying to keep pace. You're trying to keep time. It's like a metronome. You're, you're moving from thing to thing. And I find that overly tactical uh, combat gets bogged down in rules lawyering. Oh, I have him flanked at a 25% cover. So that gives me a plus eight modifier under... No, like, Dude, I'm not here to for an algebra class. I'm not. I'm here to game. I'm here for the story. Yeah, I think we tend to use the scalability of our maps just to represent how far something might be. Yeah. Just so we, we can kind of see, like, oh, how far would my flashlight shine? And we like have. And we've gotten more tactical as, as we've gone into roll 20 because it has that quick option to be tactical. But, you know, if you're finding that, that prepping the tactical map is impairing your capability to create story, and trust me, it, it is what I've talked about on, on several occasions. I'm never going to stop talking about it. Finding character pictures, NPC pictures. It used to take me like nine freaking hours I'd spend on it. And you know what? It doesn't matter if I have a representative picture. What mattered is what the person said, the NPC, their life, their voice. The same thing is true in combat. Same thing is true with combat. And tactical combat, which is always nice to have a... Again, this is why when when you're gaming in person, you have the battle mat. It's really easy to draw up a room of scale to have your players move around there. The dungeon might be more theater of the mind. The house that you're investigating might be theater of the mind the castle might be more theater of the mind but when you need to draw up a battlefield just yeah. draw up a blank space and start and put the things on it and say each square is five feet each square is three feet you know and, and you know like i'm not gonna poo poo those those people who have the the time the uh effectiveness maybe even the skill and the talent to do those those heavy because I'll, I'll say this. I've been on Pinterest hundreds of times, and I've seen uh, battle terrain that just, I'm like, holy mother of God, how could I do that? And then I'm vaguely reminded of just, I don't have a hand for art. Like, I really wish I did. I really wish I had the patience with arts and crafts and stuff like that. I don't. I don't even have a job that allows me to have that kind of time. And in the end, for my players especially, the, I, I don't see you guys as very needing that tactical like jared is that three feet or two feet my my fortunately i have a group that's very imaginative and when i tell them it's a purple iron armor that has no no body in it you know they they can picture that and i I welcome them to picture that yeah i mean i think that we started with no tactical board and then sort of worked our way into the tactical board um, and even when, like I said, even the way that we've played the tactical board has never been, you know, we, we've never been 
utilizing it to get a flank or something like that. Again, th this is when I when I uh, when I look at um, D and D in my D and D game. Every map that the GM draws for us uh, or puts together for us. Uh, sorry, Jared's cat is. I apologize. <laughs> is, the is, is howling. Uh, the, the cat mood. misses my wife. She went to go visit her mom tonight. So, uh, <laughs> but um, the cat is crying for her. So you hear that in the background. <laughs> <laughs> we both gave each other a little cockeyed oh, look. Your baby. <laughs> Sorry, I'll put you on mute there. For and a she's second. like, "No, <laughs> I want mom." But anyways, if if you're if you're playing in a D and D game, it makes a lot of sense to have the board, um, especially when you do like a dungeon with the five feet stuff. I mean, it's just very clear how far into the map you've moved, where you've moved about, and it makes sense. However, I would invite you to say that until you get into a combat scenario, the way the map looks and the way the players move through the map is sort of irrelevant, okay? Mm -hmm. With the exception of uh, traps, but traps can be... It, I would argue that it's better to spring a trap when you feel like springing a trap yeah, or have a trap be in a place rather than fix them on a map and have somebody work through it. And precisely because here, and I completely agree. I 100 spent and they're going to be tactical people who tactical are like, like, you are wrong. <laughs> That's cheating. And I, I've told you, I cheat. I cheat all the time because here's my thing. If you put that trap on that map, you're like, okay, they're going to, when they hit that, that's when the trap goes off and you set yourself to that. What happens when your players get really bored? They went the way that's the safest and they're just like, oh man, this has been really easy, really boring. You got to save the moment. You got to save the story. Forget your tacticalness. I'm going to move that map, that trap from one side of the board to the other side of the board to bring the danger, um, to bring the excitement, to bring the fun. You know, you, you, you can't get bogged in, in the, in the, in the concrete, the wet concrete of, well, this is tactically how I planned it. And that's how the the creators of the dungeon made it. No, it's about the fun of the moment. If your players are bored, or you know, there's nothing happening in this side of the dungeon because they went the the way that there are no kobolds, they went path B. Move those kobolds to path B. They're they're not coming unless your players are like, no, we we'd prefer to uh, get away from all fights. We're very non-confrontational. Hey, if that's your group, like, no, we prefer to engage in negotiation and talk, and we we like nice clean paths. Okay, bring the fun. The, the, but if you got a, a bunch of bashers who went path B and you're like, no kobolds in that direction, move those kobolds from path A to path B. Forget the tacticalness of it. You know, for example, and, and you know, one of, the, one of the things that I was about to bring up and, and Aaron perfectly segued into it is, again, I cheat. I am a horrible cheat. Okay, and my my players will never know when I am cheating and when I'm not cheating. They will I will never let them know, um, because I typically roll for everything. Uh, in roll twenty, there is an, a function where um, it's a GM roll. It's high. It's rolling behind the GM screen. Exactly, and I'm I'm not sure on the player side. Can you even see that I roll? It just says GM roll. Okay, so I roll for everything. They don't know if at that moment I'm accepting rolls as they lie or if I'm fudging numbers. They don't know. Um, really what I'm going to do, I'm only going to fudge numbers again to increase the 
uh, fun of the game, to increase the challenge or to increase the the moment. So let's take, for example, a tactical moment. You know, you got two people from two doorways. You got just a, a plain hallway. See, we're engaging in theater of the mind right here. Yes. So I've got a long hallway. I've got two doors on each end. I've got two shooters from that end, right? Now, some systems will tell you that shooter A, our good guy, versus shooter B, our bad guy, who'd ever guess shooter B would be the bad guy. Shooter A, because he has 25% cover, you know, gets a minus or a plus, uh, it adds difficulty to the shooter B's uh, shot. Shooter A has a plus, you know, because shooter B has 50% cover. Now I have a plus to this. My question is, is what's moving the story forward? What's, what's fun? And what's moving your story forward? If it is moving the story forward because like shooter B is just a chump bad guy that you want him to move past, but you want to bring a little bit of excitement to that hallway. So it's not just you run down the hallway. You want to bring a challenge to the hallway. I will literally alter the difficulty. I will literally alter the difficulty based solely on the fact that I want him to defeat that villain quickly and effectively versus I want him to defeat the villain and take a long time. And I'm going to put this into uh, movie terms. Jason Bourne, okay, fights multiple kinds of villains, right? He fights up against well-trained Marine MPs in an embassy, and then he goes up against some highly trained uh, Russian secret police guy, right? Russian secret police guy takes Jason Bourne for a ride in that combat. Highly trained U.S. Marines, okay? Like, uh, it's a horde. Watch the movie, Bourne Identity. It's a horde of Marines. And he's just flopping them all over the place. A couple CIA guys get involved and bang, bang, bang. And he, and he takes them out quickly. But the thing is, is in that moment, it's Jason Bourne being dominant. It's not supposed to be a challenge. He's supposed to be winning. All right? And if I, if I got superheroes, if I'm doing a superhero game or an adventurer game, when they take on the Cobalt and they're level 45, I don't... The idea is to let them feel in that moment that we are the freaking heroes and we're going to just mop the floor. And I'm going to let them mop the floor with the Cobalts. When they come up against the Dark Knight of ashland forest okay no they're it doesn't matter if they're 45 and he's 22 levels let's say i'm gonna make that fight challenging okay and the the trick is with tactical gaming is that when you bring yourself into a strict i am a tactical gaming gm and and this is me wanting you to all improve wanting people to improve if you're a strict tactical gm let it go a little bit because when you strictly tactically GM one, you're slowing down your combat. Trust me, your players are like, Oh my God, he's doing geometry again. Yeah. Fluidity in combat is killed when you killed. Just are all tactics. And two, are you adjusting your, uh, it, when you do strict tactics, it hard, it makes it difficult to fudge the roles on the behalf of your player or against your player. It makes it difficult to adjust the challenge on the fly because they know I have this opponent flanked at 25%. Let me get out my compass or let me get out my my protractor and show you what degree because you've welcomed that to your board. But if you finally say that, hey, I'm in control of this board, 
This is my battle. And I'm going to say he has great peripheral vision. You ain't got him flanked. He's got you flanked. Yeah. Again, <laughs> Jared, Jared brings up a really good point there, which is that when you introduce the tactical, there is no fudging and adjusting and making the combat different and, and better. I mean, because if your players are playing tactical, it is likely that your villains are also playing tactical. Okay. Most likely. Which means that your villains will also be looking to score flanks, will be looking to, to get themselves into cover and get you out of cover. Like, you know, they, they don't play play foolish. And when they, start, when they stop playing tactical and when they move into directions that don't, don't make sense, your players key in on that. I, I'll give you an example. Just doing the D&D game on Thursday, okay, we got in, ourselves into a combat. Again, tactical map, five-foot squares, everything to scale. Okay. Tons of zombies and skeletons and then there was Ooh, a remind me later about mass combat. Yes. And the, and then there was there's was this thing called a white in there as well, okay? The white kicking ass were pretty low level. Um it inflicts fear on us which by rule you have to just run away. <laughs> okay. Never use fear on your players unless you're using it to get a villain to escape. Never use fear. So again, his his he almost he had his dead to rights, okay? And at one point during the combat, he moved the white out of combat, okay? Which was, I assume, him saying, I don't want to kill the players right now. Yeah. Okay? But because he had played the combat all tactical, everything was tactical, everything was put on the board in a tactical manner. It, it looked obtuse. It, lo- it looked very obtuse. It was like, what the heck is He had you dead to rights and yeah. he's not going to murder you? Exactly. He's going to murk you. He's going to murk you. He's going to finish you off. Somebody comes into this house. I got him dead to rights. I'm not going to be like, nah, let him steal my TV. So, again, when you when you put the tactical board out there, just understand that that is more, you, you just, you lose opportunities to save your players when they're in a pinch. You do. When you really are very tight, because all you have is then fudging your roles, not fudging difficulties, not fudging... Um, modifiers uh, plus and negative um all you have is the roll fudge and uh you know as i have caught cheating in the past um when uh, one player in particular kept amazingly rolling nothing below an 18 your players will catch on when your npc doesn't roll anything above a five yes your players are not stupid they recognize when you do things too like too weird for the situation. Because I will tell you this, like, when I cheat and when I fudge rolls, I do it roll by roll. Some, like, I don't say, like, this screen, I'm going to make lethal. I, warning. I, lethal warning. No, it's like, roll roll one. Psh, oh, man, I just murked my player. Uh, no, he missed. Oh, he he could have killed you. Roll two. Oh, I missed. Nah, I really want to hit him with that one. I'll do yeah. it roll to roll based on the story. Yeah, if your player is, if you're constantly under rolling your players, you might want to roll one up just to make sure that your players know, shit, this guy's going to kill me. Like- Holy shit. And, it, you know, some people might be aghast, like, oh, that violates the game. Yeah, it's a story. Your, Remember, your, your job, as Jared always says, is to make the game fun for your players. Yes. Okay? The combat becomes more fun when it becomes more memorable. Did you eke out a really slim win? Okay? Yeah. 
it, no matter how you did it, even if it was in a tactical combat, okay, did you breeze through a tactical combat? Yes. So do the thing that makes Were the you Jason Bourne? Yes. Were, were we Jason Bourne for that scene? Did we conquer and just were the big bad heroes who, who beat the day? Or did we barely survive that combat? We walked away limping with a bottle of vodka because I think that's how Bourne... What is that? Ultimatum ended. Second one. Uh, yeah, I've only ultimatum. seen like two of the Borns. Uh... It's ultimatum. But, and, and I know there might be people who are like, that violates the rules of the game. This isn't freaking Candyland. You're right. It does violate the rules of the game. Absolutely. But it does not violate the spirit of the game. Correct. This is not Candyland. The objective of, of us coming together is, one, to play a game as friends, to come together as friends and, and, and enjoy a moment together, and also to create a shared story. Your players are as much of that story as you are. If if except the only thing is is they get they they're not allowed to cheat. They are not allowed to cheat. You can I cheat am. as much as you want. I can cheat as much as I want to better their experience. I will never cheat against them to take away from their experience. Okay? Like for example, I will never cheat a role that will end a character. I will never do that. Why? Because it it's it's not a great experience. It's not it's typically not not fun. But if I if I hit you squaw and, and, and that's, that's it. It's lights out like, Oh shit. You know, let the dice roll more than me, or I will bring it down to save that player's life. Because again, you know, as, as I've said before, which is the more cool moment, the, the, uh, the hero who literally got shot in the head and kept on fighting. Cause it, it's happened. It has happened. There have been people who have shot, shot in the head and kept going. It happened in our game. Happened Not in our game. Ago. But I mean, even in real life, it has yeah. happened. There have been people who have been shot in the head. By the grace of God, the bullet ejected somewhere else, and they kept on fighting. That is a story of a man who did not stop. And 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 that's the cool story. It's 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 not a fun story if I just knocked him lights out. Not heroic. Again, I, again, th- this cool. is sort of our golden rule within our group is to sort of not betray and kill the players. Um, but I, again, it, it's just you, you just you, you can give more flavor. So again, th- this is if you're really heavy on the tactical side, I guess where I'm going to try to to give my final point here. Um, and we'll talk about your mass combat in the future. Uh, it's, just, it's just a really quick thing uh, with fe- with mass combat. Here's oh, here's my stance on mass combat. Mass combat. D&D is great for mass combat because it's hit or miss. It's really hard with White Wolf. Tactical can go to hell as far as I'm concerned because you are trying to control like 50 NPCs taking on like five characters. You're... It's difficult enough just knowing where the hell the NPCs are on the goddamn map. All right? Or memorizing which one is carrying which weapon. Good luck saying, well, combat... You know, Ninja B-52 was in a flanking position at 25%. Forget it. Mass combat, let the scene roll. Think about fluidity. Think about if there's 50 zombies, you guys are crushing skulls, it's hit or miss. That is what I have learned from years of mass combats. Let it come down to hit or miss and then create a cinematic scene. Do not attempt to get tactical in mass combats. That's all I wanted to say. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I, I'd agree with that point. And again, my, my final piece here, cause we, 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 
again, we danced around tactical versus non-tactical. If you are a super tactical person, try, my suggestion would be to try and incorporate more non-tactical gameplay and more theater to the mind, more explanatory situations um, into your game to try and speed up some elements of your game. Okay, and if you are a completely theater of the mind person, um, and you want to just keep going theater of the mind, um, if you are going to do it, build descriptions slowly. Meaning, like, if you're in a room, start adding things to make the room more complex slowly to get your players to sort of exercise those muscles. Yes, okay? absolutely. And, you know, don't don't try to create this elaborate keep and then have everyone remember. Wait, was there a column to the left of me, or was there not? Like, give know, me at least yeah. a basic blueprint. That's my thing. Yeah. In in the end, here's what I generally do. I at least, at the very least, I'm going to give you rooms and hallways. I might not be able to draw that there's a table in there. Now, there's sometimes that I've gone nuts because I I really enjoy battle mapping. It's 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 a lot of fun for me. But at the same time, I'm I'm not going to kid myself. I don't have as much time as I'd like to, uh, to do that sometimes. So I at least make sure that they've got rooms and hallways, entrances and exits. There we go. That's the key. That's the key. Rooms, hallways, entrance, exits. And, and mind you, with my, my my players, I always have to keep in mind an entrance and an exit does include a window. And if you want to <laughs> if you want to play with elevation, use stories. Use something. Use something that's that's very representational to real life. Contour lines are yeah. great. Um, you know, uh, contour lines are the closer they are together, the steeper the elevation. Um, the further they are apart, you know, and they're they're pretty easy to to make contour lines. But if you're trying to describe elevation in theater of the mind, just it's hard. It's it's hard. But my my suggestion would be, you know, it's a giant hill. It's a big hill. I mean, just like, you know, okay, well, if somebody stand on top of that, they're like 10 feet above me. With a sheer cliff. You're in a pit, you know. <laughs> You're in a canyon. Yeah, they're, 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 the rocks they're, are red with blood. There are tricks to it. And again, like I said, if your players are used to tactical maps um, and you're kind of going into theater of the mind or vice versa, um, well, going out of theater of the mind into a tactical map or a more tactical map, go representational before you get to tactical and kind of work your way backwards, yeah. I guess, if you're going the other way. Um, you know, just uh, great authors to kind of, uh, you know, I, I just started reading uh, another uh, Stephen King novel. And I found out his descriptions. He'll go off on these really weird tangents about describing certain things and then leave the rest of the whole freaking room completely undescribed. And I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. And then I looked back. and I was like, that's exactly what I do. I focus on the things that I want you to be important that are that are that are direct to you and I'll let your imagination fill in the rest. Let and just say it's a kids room. What does a kids room look like? Give it a little more description. Kids room with his baseball trophies and baseball posters. There you go. Boom. I I I know a, a baseball kid fanatics room. I can picture that. I can picture that. That's easy. Exactly. Do you have anything else you want to add on Jared? No, no. I, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied. Um, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head. I really do. Uh, tactical gamers, try to try to a little bit more uh, of the mind, a little bit more flexibility, a little bit more fluidity. Non-tactical gamers, maybe giving somebody a, a little bit of a, of a foot knowledge might help your players out a little bit. You know, come to that nice rooms, medium. hallways, rooms, something. hallways, entrances, exits. Boom. Boom.
So, uh, anyways, thanks, Chris. Thank you again for kind of uh, yes, thank leading you. us into this uh, leading us into this topic. We were going to talk about it, but uh, it just it segued into it so perfectly when you sent us that email. So, yes, hopefully we're able to help you out um, with that. And, uh, anyways, um, if you like the podcast, go ahead and uh, subscribe, uh, review it on Apple Podcasts. That would help us be more searchable to other people who are trying to find podcasts. Slam on- that like button. Uh, we are on YouTube. You crush can, it. Crush can, that like button. We are on YouTube. You can crush that like button. I'm working on getting the entire library onto YouTube. There's a lot of videos. They take a long time to upload there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, otherwise, you know, keep keep downloading. Like I said, subscribe. Um, I, or follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gaming. You could send us an email at levelupyourgamingpodcast at gmail.com. Um, but, you know, go ahead and send us your your questions that you're, you're big questions you want or send us your comments about the episode we'd be happy to to discuss them uh before episodes going forward absolutely but, uh, and we'll always ask you know uh if we can talk about it on the air first so don't worry about that exactly so for jared i'm aaron have a great week guys have a great week everyone